This podcast is part of the Shareable Podcast Network. Learn more at shareable.fm. This podcast is Shareable. I'm your host, Jeff Gibbard, commonly known as the world's most handsome strategist and professional speaker. I'm also a superhero. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single Shareable episode. And that's it. That's the intro. Short and sweet. Let's get to the show. Milestone episode number 200. And what do you do for your 200th episode? I think you need to go back to the beginning. That's what I think you need to do. I think you need to go back to episode one, where we had a man, a myth, nay, a legend who joined us on the podcast, a man by the name of Doug Sandler. Doug, welcome back for episode 200. You're the only person I could have on for 200. Dude, I am super stoked to be here. And uh, I do remember my 200th episode as well. And we like look that was the last time we took out all the stops. And now that was literally a thousand and fifty episodes ago. Oh my God. That's <laughs> so ridiculous. Excited. I'm excited for you. I, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to chat. I don't even know what we're going to talk about. You just threw out the invitation and I'm like, hell yeah, if you're inviting, I will be there because I want to talk to you even more. Awesome. Well, uh, small correction there. It wasn't an invitation. It was more of a demand. I, I believe I had a slightly <laughs> threatening tone with you. I was like, no, this is no number tone. 200. You will be there. I so, was coming um, anyway. I was going to be yeah, here anyway. I think you would too. Yeah. Well, it's freaking awesome to have you back and chat with you and catch up. Last time you were on, we talked about how to get your first million downloads in podcasting. The first time you came on, yep. uh, you talked about how success is a mindset. And then we did a really uh, awesome mic swap, which by the way, everybody's stealing that idea now. Not that I'm mad about it, but I wish I could get a nickel every time somebody used the Dude, mic swap. You are a, you're a freaking pioneer. But what I think is an even more important milestone is that was for me two wives ago. So, so oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it truly was. It was it's literally amazing. two wives ago. And I don't know what happened in all of that time, but I've since moved from the East Coast to the West Coast. I've got my head straight. I am in such a better place emotionally right now. Yeah. Yeah. Such, such a long good. time ago. I, I make a That's lot of good. money podcasting, but I have to because I have a lot of ex-wives to support. That's fantastic. <laughs> and you also published a book in that time as well. Yeah, yeah. A book called Which I don't nice remember Guys getting first. I don't remember getting an email or anything about that. Like, dude, I or even you coming on to promote the book. You know that I would have had you on, but what? But what, I, Doug? I, I never I never actually promoted the book anywhere but on my podcast because I really wanted to see how well my podcast could get this thing to launch. And I discovered that it actually works. Podcasting oh, for book promotion sweet. is a great thing. Oh, well, I guess I should use this as an opportunity to say my book is coming out in January. It's called The Lovable Leader, and you should buy it. Um, which by the way, we actually have a lot of overlap there. Your book, nice guys finish first, my book, the lovable leader. I feel like we're oh, onto something here about being really nice, nice in business. Really nice. We we're like a couple and... of nice guys on business. Let's, let's just, uh, let's just hug and do a little circle here and maybe just share our emotions with our audience. <laughs> a little, a little kumbaya moment. Never heard yeah, of man. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into it because uh, you know, people I'm sure would love to hear us BS and catch up and all of that. And I think we should do that, but throughout the context of the show. So we've talked about a fair number of things in our time together over the different things. So uh, I guess let's start at the top of things. What's your take <laughs> on podcasting? Well, like, where geez. are we right now? You've been doing it so long. You do this professionally. You help other people do it. You do it every single day. It's a medium that you measure in number of wives ago. That was my, <laughs> you know, my first appearance in shareable, but, you know, going back further, you've been doing it for a long time. You measure it in wives. 
what's happened since the first wife to, to now yeah, man. Well, in so the world much. of podcasting so much a pandemic has happened which actually opened people's eyes to the idea of podcasting as a way to market their business when they can't actually get out and put their feet on the street and uh, man has it exploded our production business which is terrific but it, it really does share this point that we kind of knew all along podcasting as a way to build your community grow your influence or to make money is uh, it's here and it's here to stay i mean when Companies like Apple and Amazon and XM and Spotify and, and so many Pandora are all in into the podcasting space. We know we're in a good place. And although we are a very unique, highly niched podcast production company, meaning we don't just accept anybody as a client, we have a specific level of client that we want as a part of our client list. Um, that being said, it doesn't matter who you are or why you're ready to get started, whether it's a passion project or something that you're interested in making a ton of money at podcasting is a great tool. And it just over the last handful of years, I mean, we've been podcasting for seven years, 1250 episodes, uh, over 4 million downloads later, 175 countries listen to our show. All of these things have been, um, great accolades for us, but the reality of it is it's just been a great way for us to get our message out there to the world. So uh, I am 100% behind you on that. And and I personally have always, um, like I know a lot of your thing is about helping people monetize their podcast and, and make money from it. Um, but I've said multiple times over that I would do this podcast for free. I mean, I pay out of pocket to do it because yeah. you know I put money into the production. I've never even thought about monetizing it because I just get to meet amazing people and talk to them. People will give me an hour of their time to let me just ask them questions, which is like, normally you'd be paying a lot of money to a lot of these people to get that experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I just, I find it amazing how often people, I've talked to a lot of people like, oh, I want to start a podcast and do this. And, and they get three episodes in and then they lose interest Done. because it's actually quite hard, right? So um, I think a lot of people get really ripped, you know, wrapped up in this idea that they're going to be the next Joe Rogan or that, you know, they're going to get a sponsorship from Spotify or whatever they think in their head. And I think there's a lot of misconceptions around podcasting. So in your, I mean, I know you are very selective about who you take on, but you also talk to a lot of podcasters and people about podcasting. It's like the world you're in. What do you see as some of the biggest common misconceptions that people start with? Do you think if we could obliterate it, yeah. We could get a better quality of podcaster out there and less people dropping off. Well, I want to I want to go back to a point that you made, maybe not a point that you made, but at least something that you kind of brushed over. And I want to make sure that your community completely understands that, because when people first think of, oh, OK, well, I'm going to monetize my podcast. They first think and I'll just throw it at you. When people first think of monetization, they go automatically in their brain to what do you think? Ads, ads. advertising and sponsorship. Absolutely. Yep. And let me tell you, while it is a production, it, it is a, a money producer for our show. Now that we're seven years, 1200 episodes and 4 million downloads later, for those beginning, don't look to advertising and sponsorship as a way to actually monetize your show. So when I first get people started podcasting, one of the things that we strategize about are a handful of other ways. First of all, don't underestimate the value of that guest seat. I don't mean sell the guest seat to somebody to make money, but what I do mean is the relationship that you're building with someone in that guest seat is paramount to the relationship of someone that is anonymous in your audience that you're trying to pitch a product to and help hope they come out of anonymity and actually buy something from you. So guest to client strategy, that means putting your products and services into the hands of the person that is sitting in that guest seat. 
great opportunity. Um, yeah. JV partnerships, great opportunity for you to build a relationship with someone and see if their services um, complement yours. Affiliate relationships where you're actually selling and not delivering a product, but selling a relationship or selling a, a product or service that's related to yours, to your community, selling your products or services to your community. And of course, advertising and sponsorship. The key to all of this monetization thing, whether, whether you're a day new in podcasting or you're 10 years into it, is diversity in monetization. You are not, we are not, no one is Joe Rogan, Tim Ferriss, Tony Robbins. We are never going to be, nor do I ever want to be that person because that requires a whole different level of community personality, level of podcasting, production quality. I'd rather you be able to very inexpensively produce a podcast, go out there to the world and do those other four things that I mentioned when it comes to monetization, make 150, 200, $500,000 doing this, a million dollars doing this and say, okay, now I can focus on the advertising and sponsorship, but today I'm just going to make 150 grand doing it. So that's kind of what I try to get people's head on straight is it's not about the size of your community. I'd much rather have a community of 20 people listening and taking action than 20,000 that do jack shit. So that's 100%. where I'm coming from. And it's so hard for to get that through people's heads, I think sometimes, but I want to actually lay out a, like a very crystal example. So you mentioned 4 million downloads is where you guys are at. So that's in like a stratosphere level. Like you're like, up towards the 1% when you're in that sort of thing. My podcast shareable here is not in that level, but we have over a hundred thousand downloads and having done other podcasts, I can safely say that that is in an entirely different level than most podcasts that Absolutely. get started, like a totally different level. And we are still light years away from being able to get advertisers who are looking to monetize the amount of impressions downloads we have. Yep. To totally, totally get it. Now, keep in mind one other thing you do not need. We actually have a program that's called Size Doesn't Matter, building a monetization monster without any size audience at all. So yep. we have a program that's designed specifically around how do you actually monetize your show without having any audience? And we actually built a show called the BizWiz podcast. Before that show even launched, we made $35,000 from the show just to prove that you do not need an audience. You do not need one download. By the way, Wells Fargo, you cannot take a download to Wells Fargo. They will not cash it. So don't no? worry about it. No, no, they, they, they don't do That's that. Any, they, they don't do that. Euros, they will cash, but they will not cash downloads. So please don't think that you need downloads in order to do this, which highly encourages people that have micro niche, highly, you know, boutique unique uh, messages to share. I have a show called Ford Mustang, the early years. So the idea behind that show is I don't look, I'm only looking for first generation Mustang owners, owners of Mustangs that are 64 and a half to 67 Mustangs, the owners of those cars. I'm never going to have an audience of 10,000. I may have an audience of 500 to a thousand on a regular basis. So just know that we're not looking for advertising and sponsorship for all of that stuff. We're not looking for JV partners or affiliate relationships or guest to client strategy for that particular show. That is a specific way that we can monetize even the micro niche shows like that one. And there's plenty of them that are out there, whether it's mental health, financial planning, you know, legal, whatever it is, there is, you want to, what's the expression? The riches are in the niches. Get yeah. as tiny as you can go. And I'll tell you, that's the best way to be when it comes to podcasting. I love that. And, and it's so funny because it's like that I put that on the list of like some of the most common misconceptions that people have going in is I think we get really lost in the big numbers and really excited by big numbers. Another, I think that I over the time that I've been podcasting that I'm sure you'll appreciate 
that people get really bent out of shape about is how am I going to get guests? I'm like, oh, Jesus, that's like the easiest part of the whole process. So actually, I want to ask you. uh, So I had this idea specifically for you because you do you've done a similar question for years on your show. So I'm going to ask you to put things in order for podcasters here in terms of importance and priority. So these four things. Yep. Content or the idea, like what is what is it about? The production, so good audio, good editing, et cetera. The promotion or the consistency, those four. So all right. So content production, promotion, consistency. So content would be first, consistency would be second. And give me the other two. Production and promotion. Uh, production would be third and promotion would be fourth. The absolutely dead last one would be promotion. Forget promoting your show. Those that want to find it will find it. And again, it does not matter how many people are listening to your show. It only matters that the right people are listening to your show. The ones that are seeking you out are the ones that will actually pay you to provide for you to provide your services to them. So you're saying this goes back to your earlier point about the riches and the niches. So you have somebody that's searching for Ford Mustang that's a pretty niche show that you're offering here. So they're going to find you. If they want to know shows about cars or Ford Mustangs, they're going to come up on your show. Yep. I very rarely promote. I have a social media channel that was started probably a year and five months after I started the show, just because I wanted another outlet to actually engage with my audience. But my audience has grown just because of the, it's called Ford Mustang, the early years podcast. So Somebody going to to um, to Apple Podcast and searching for Mustang is going to find my show if because they're putting that in the search box. And by the way, I use uh, Apple Podcast just as my as my um, you know descriptor for this because I'm using that for all distribution sources. Apple just happens to be the you know the um, the, the 800 giant. pound gorilla. Yeah, you'll get 60 to 80 percent of your downloads probably from Apple Podcasts. Interesting. I've actually found that in my show, Overcast was like by far my dominant player, which feeds off of Apple. Yeah. Yeah. We'll totally, totally get it. And the same thing for us when we originally were, uh, were really promoting our show heavily in the beginning, contrary to what my belief is now, but in the beginning, when we thought that social media was the only way to go, we were slamming hard to get into Apple, make it happen. And Overcast, very similar was our, by far our, we were the number one business show on Overcast for almost a year. And so for us, that was where the majority of our listeners came from. They saw the charts. They're like, hey, the nice guys on business. Let's tune into that show. Not because of any promotion that I did. Didn't run one Facebook ad, didn't do any of that. Just ran like promo to try to get people over to Apple Podcasts. I'm like, uh, now it's swung the other way. The nice guys on business is a, you know, in entrepreneurship, it's in the top 100 routinely on Apple Podcasts which I love. And it's nowhere to be seen now on Overcast because shows like yours are taking over, Jeff. <laughs> nice. Well, I remember we had a little uh, battle back when Shareable launched. We came off to a hot start and we had a yep. little jockeying for position for yep. a little bit. Um, all right. So so those are the big four that I had. Idea, consistency, production, promotion, uh, but filling in the gaps. Like, What else do you think that new podcasters need to be thinking about? Um, and then from there, I want to kind of go a little bit more deep into into kind of like systems and what people should be thinking about and all that. And this is a general lay of the land. So before somebody launches, they start to work on strategy, they work on their plans, they work on the whole thing. And what I tell everybody is, hold on a second, you're about to strategize about a show that doesn't even exist yet. Let's get that car and let's get in the garage and let's start building the car. Yeah, we need a the template. So we need a title, we need a description, we need cover art, we need a, an open and a close that sounds good. We need royalty-free music. We need to, you know, to have a relationship with a hosting source. We need to decide who, what distribution sources that we're going to use. So those seven things are essential components. So I 
I would say before you go into how am I going to make money? How am I going to strategize? Let me come up with my products or services. I always say to people, let's screw it up really bad. Let's do all of those things wrong. Let's title it wrong. Let's title, let's do the improper show art. Now, of course, I don't want people to do that, but I, I want to encourage people, don't let perfect be the enemy of done. Get your show launched, get the RSS feed, get it out to the public. We can come back and change anything that we have screwed up on. Now, your initial instincts are probably right. You probably do know what your title is. You probably do know how to describe your show if given the template. You probably can come up with an open and a close and find some royalty-free music. You probably can come up with a logo and cover art. You probably can do all of those things. But what I want people to understand is without that car built and on the driveway, we can't start taking it onto the highway and start talking about monetization. The key challenge that most people have is they want to know their products. They want to know their services. They want to know what they're going to sell to their community that they haven't even built yet. And my thought is, why don't you wait until your community tells you what they want rather than coming to the table with these 10 products and these are the best things. And this is what I want to introduce to my community. Uh, chances are better than not that those aren't actually the services that your community is going to want. They're going to want something 180 degree, potentially different than what you even think that they want. This is something I've always admired about you and the way that you um, have approached your show and the way you've designed your show and the way you talk about podcasting is this community centric kind of mindset, which totally fits with your entire kind of like presence and ethos and like how you roll. Hmm. It's like very people centric. But I think something that I know that I've struggled with as a podcaster and I know that other podcasters struggle with is like how to actually get that engagement from people that are sometimes passively listening to your show. Yeah. They're in the car. They're just yep. doing a thing like it's tough to get them to say like, hey, pull over your car, jump on Twitter and send me a message about what products and services you'd like to see our, our you know, show offering like you know, or even just getting any sort of like questions or, or things like that back from the audience. Yeah. How have you kind of crack the code on it for your own? Or do you think that you just kind of struck at the right time? Or have you kind of codified and begun to figure out how to create community around a show? So what I would say is engagement is the key to success in any podcast. Remember, if you have a thousand people, let's take a hundred, an average size audience for a, a, a fairly new podcast, meaning a podcast that's anywhere from, you know, six months to a year, let's say 75 to hundred downloads per episode. That's probably a really good number, no matter if you have a show that's a general business show or a highly niched uh, podcast, those hundred people that are listening, you probably are, can expect maybe 10 of those hundred people that are listening on a regular basis to actually engage with you. So that means that 90% are not going to engage. So I'm not going to focus on the 90%. I'm only going to focus on those 10%. Our job is to figure out what it takes to get them to engage. How can we get them to raise their hand, come out of anonymity and actually say, Hey, Jeff, I want to know a little bit more about what you do. Once you have that, once you can figure that out, whether it's through it, the challenge is a lot of people are like, hey, hop on my list and we can do a free consult. Well, people, that's a little bit more of a challenge because you know what comes at the other side of a consult. Yep. It's going to be me a sales sell you pitch. On it. <laughs> right? It's yeah. going to be a sales pitch. So what we want to do and what we did in our particular case is we came up with a lead magnet. Now our show deals a lot with podcasting. So our lead magnet was five ways to make money podcasting. And we've gotten probably about 1,500, maybe 2,000 people over the course of the last two years to opt into that lead magnet. So am I going to focus on the people that aren't saying anything to me, or am I going to focus on those 1,500 to 2,000 people that have? So 
We're going to focus on those 1,500 to 2,000. My next goal is to figure out what it is. Where are they? Where do they like to meet? Do they like to meet on Instagram? Do they like to meet on Twitter? Do they like to meet in a Facebook group? Our group like to meet in a Facebook group. So of those 1,500 people, we got 150 of those people to actually take the next step and buy something that we had. We put them in a group, and now we've gone completely from radio broadcast, where I'm just sharing a message with the community, hoping that they will buy it, to engage community of 1,500, further engaged community who actually will buy 150. And those 150 have been the evolution of 250-plus launches of podcasts for us and over a million dollars in revenue for our company because we just we didn't, we didn't go at it with, I know what I'm going to service them with, and I know what I'm going to provide, and okay, let's, let's share it with them. They didn't want any of that. We had to keep working. We did um, three ways to convert your audience into customers. That was good, but not great. Um, how to create an email campaign. That was good, but that wasn't great. Five ways to make money podcasting. That was the one that struck for us. So you just have to keep working through a call to action on your podcast so people do eventually take action. If you think you can do the same thing over and over and over again over the course of 100 or 200 or 500 episodes and not get any results and expect, well, I'm just going to sit here doing this because I know eventually they're going to do it. That's not the way to do it in podcasting. Be, be ready to uh, be flexible, uh, be ready to rotate, pivot, whatever. I came into this as a customer service expert and a professional speaker. I am now a podcast producer that uh, focuses on monetization and business building strategies using podcasting as a tool. So I tell everybody, be ready to pivot if, if you're flexible. If you're not flexible, then you're going to stick to your guns and you're going to go down crashing and burning probably when it comes to the podcasting space. Do you recommend that people, so I love that approach. Do you recommend that people A-B test simultaneously or, or in an evolutionary way where you try a thing, wait a little bit, or would you say like put out three different tests and try them on different, like it, do you have a particular approach that you would advocate for? Did you guys do it one way or the other? So yes. <laughs> so yes to all of those things. So what we did was instead of doing it all through the nice guys on business, remember I said, hey, we made this 35 grand from this one show called the BizWiz podcast. We wanted to try this strategy without having the backbone of a show that at that point had done maybe a million, a million and a half downloads over a couple of hundred episodes. And we didn't want to use the structure of that show because you coming to me as a brand new podcaster would say, well, of course it worked for you. You have a million downloads and you know, and you have 200 episodes. Well, how about if I say to you, Jeff, this worked for me. I had no downloads. I had no nothing out there. And I didn't even promote this thing on social media. So if I can show you a way that I can do it using the tools that I'm actually putting into place, chances are better than not that you're going to become a, a customer, at least a believer in what I do. So you can take any strategy, whether you A-B test it on a specific show or say, you know, for the inexpensive nature that a brand new podcast would cost you, what, 15 bucks to start a new show on a, you know, on a hosting source or $5 if you're on Libsyn. With Substack, their... you're free. <laughs> right. Or, or a free, or you can even use a, a free Anchor hosting. Or Substack, yeah. yeah. You can, you can use them too. I, I have some words about them, but I do okay. too. And in, in general, I, I mean, I almost switched off of Libsyn for, for this show. And I was like, but I'm going to lose all my historical data and not like that, but it's just, it's just a good platform for hosting yep, and totally get it's it. It's just silly to get off of it. But I, I have another podcast. That I moved over to Substack off of Buzzsprout because I, I just wanted to like save like 12 bucks a month. 
Yeah. And, and people can do that. And I always tell people, if you handle it, like if you treat it like a hobby, it's going to give you hobby results and not saying that to save 12 bucks isn't a big deal, but you know, we yeah. don't put very much money into any of our podcasts and we don't put a lot of time into any of our podcasts. We do, we create a professional production. So that's key for us. We have mm -hmm. great content. That's key to us. We are ourselves, which is another key element in a podcast, making sure you're being the genuine, authentic you without that your show's going to suck. So all of those things, yes, you can A-B test it. Yes, you can create other podcasts for the inexpensive cost of creating a podcast. There's a bunch of different ways, but I think it goes back to that word that you used earlier. Do it consistently and you will find the results that you are looking for. I promise you, I have done nothing special over seven years other than the fact that I've been at it for seven years, 1,250 plus episodes. So for me, just delivering that, cons and, and we haven't missed a week. You know, we haven't missed anything. And I'm not saying hiatus is bad. I'm saying that for us, it wasn't, a, if I put a hiatus in there, guess what I would have done? That one month hiatus would have ended up being 12 months of, of oh, yeah. break because I'm like, oh shit, I don't want to do this anymore. We took a hiatus. So Shareable took several hiatuses over the time that I've been, you know, running this show. And every time I take a hiatus, we lose so much yeah. ground, well, you know? And I remember you saying, I, I distinctly remember back in the day when I first started Shareable, I asked you, what is the optimal number of shows to publish per week? Or you may have asked me that. And I was like, I don't know, two or three. And you were like five. We figured out it was five days a week. <laughs> At I was the time like, it was. Yeah. At the time it was the perfect thing. And the reason I, I say five, again, just don't go into overwhelm. If you're in Jeff's community, please don't go into overwhelm. Here's how I looked at it. And it's very simple. Jeff, community of Jeff's, if you opened up this microphone and every time you opened up this microphone, you had an opportunity to make five to $10,000. Could you find a way to open this thing up five days a week? And yeah. of course, the answer is fuck. Yes. I'm going to, sorry. Yes. I'm going to open this. Okay, we're an explicit ish right. show. I'm going to open up this microphone as much as I possibly can. What we have found through the years of doing that, and when we went from five back to three, and then finally settled in our, our great comfort spot of two episodes a week, where we found that was, is we weren't throwing too much content at our audience. We weren't trying to kill our production team in the process. And, um, and we could keep an even stride with getting guests and a good flow of people on the show with good content, with great content. So for me, the two episodes a week gave, gave it enough um, gave us enough consistency and a really good income too. So I'm like, Hey, look, I'm feeling like I don't want to work 40 hours a week. I probably put into turnkey podcast, which is my company between me and my partner. I probably put in 10 hours a week and have a mid six figure income as a result of putting in 10 hours a week into my business. I'm okay with that. I could make more money, but I could also be working a lot more. And I just, it just wasn't my thing. I didn't want to do it. That like warms my heart to hear my new goal. <laughs> my new goal in life is really just to work as little as possible to make a comfortable living. It's not like make as much money as possible or grind as hard as I can. I, and I, I don't know if that's, I think I have to a certain extent, I've always been that way, but I feel like the pandemic a little bit kind of reset yeah. priorities. And I just had a daughter. So like Yay. all of those things together, you're just kind of like, what am I working so hard for? Hey, look, more is not my goal. My goal yeah. is never to say more because you never will reach more. Now, that being said, turnkey podcast, while I probably put about 10 hours a week in it, make a very good income from it. There are other projects that I'm working on. I do have this other podcast, like I said, called Ford Mustang, the early years. 
I'm only in it for the tax write-off and the and the and the idea of I get to drive a 65 Mustang and and put everything that I have into the car that I choose to put into the car. I've met a whole bunch of friends. I've had a I have a great community. So we we do try a bunch of different things. I would not consider that a part of my turnkey business, but it is a podcast. Uh, my girlfriend, JJ, has many, many different podcasts. One is called Spirit, Purpose, and Energy. I love helping her. I love supporting her. And I don't take any money from that. She makes a healthy income also from that. She just made six figures at a, at a you know, literally a two-day weekend from her podcast. Another way that you can make money podcasting is promoting live events that you're doing if you have a large enough community. So we see like this is an opportunity to make a killing, but at the same time, not work yourself to death. And, and for me, podcasting has been that amazing tool to do all of those things. So said a, said a lot ask, there. Said a lot you there. did. Sorry. There's like, there's a lot to play with there. So like, I mean, the, the question that always kind of crosses my mind when I hear someone who's having some success or having extraordinary success is kind of like, what's the pivot point where that starts to happen? And you've got the example where you start out with no downloads and you were able to make money Yep. in this particular thing. And that almost feels like, you know, it, it like sets off the bells of like too good to be true because it sounds like too good to be true, right? Like I have no, no downloads and I can make money. Oh, you but mean, it, I can, I can work through it. If when you're ready, I'm happy to work through the example. So I want to work through it. I guess just, there's <laughs> kind of like two things that are, they're preceding it for the question for me, which is sort of like, if you had to kind of look at the bell curve of yeah making money podcasting. Is there a certain point at which if somebody's going through the steps of podcasting, they love their idea, they like what they're doing, but like they're discouraged, but they see that they're getting 200 downloads and you know they, they've got, maybe they put up a lead magnet and 10 people a week are downloading it. Like, is that a point where they can start to feel like this is something you could work with? Or are you saying that regardless of what you have there, if you just have the right system, you could probably make it work and make a living from it? So let me start with the second part of that and say, yes, if you have the right system in place, regardless of how you're trying to monetize or make money from your show or build your audience or grow your influence, it absolutely will work. But let me share a little bit of a, of a more visual example. When I was a young kid, I used to go fly fishing with my dad and my dad had this little pond by his house and I was probably eight or 10 years old at the time. And so my dad would go to this, uh, he had a Mercedes 450 SL and he used to pack all of his stuff in the back of the car, go to this pond. I'm sitting in the passenger seat. We get out of the car. He takes this huge fly box. That's probably got thousands or if not hundreds of flies in it. And he reaches into this, which I see is an impossible number of flies to determine the difference between the two. And he reaches in there and he's kind of sifting through and he pulls out this one. And it was a number 12 El Care Caddis. Forget the name of the fly for a moment. I said, dad, I said, you reached into that fly box and you pulled out this one fly from this impossible number of hundreds of flies. How do you know that's the one that's going to work? And he said to me, that's the one that's going to work because that's the one I think is going to work. The more time you spend with that fly, the more time you spend in building your system, the more time that we put into each one of those guest a client strategy, joint venture partnership, affiliate relationship, turning guests into you know uh, uh, advertising and sponsorship. The more time I focused on each one of those four things, selling products and services to my community, the more time I, time I focused on those, each of those five things, the more successful they were. So if somebody comes to me and says, what's the most important part of this? I would say this, your head. You got to get your head into the idea that when you start a podcast, 
you are not asking someone to do you a favor by coming on your show. Listen to this really clearly if you're in Jeff's community and you're thinking about launching a podcast and you have nothing right now. You're about to own a fucking media company. And if you don't approach your brain, you put your brain in the position that you own a media company, you're going to think that everybody that comes on your show is doing you a favor. Right now, seven years later, I get 50 to 75 applications every week to get on my show. In the beginning, I got none. I was like searching for people to come on my show. I was seeking, please, please, please. For every hundred people that I would ask, one person said yes. So consistency is the game. But I knew that if I stayed at it long enough, I could get people like Ariana Huffington, Gary Vaynerchuk, John C. Maxwell, uh, Jeffrey Gittimer, Dan Harris good from Good Morning America, Ron Klain, the, uh, the uh, chief of staff for President Biden. I knew that those people would say yes, but it took me a thousand people that said no before those six people said yes. And I know that was a long answer, but it's the answer that's, that's real. If you go at this and you think it's going to work and, and you just kind of like, God, I hope this works. I hope this works. It's not going to work. You've got to put the action behind your ass to get it to actually fulfill what your, what your goals are for the show. How clear was your vision on that to stay like, cause I think a lot of people start a show because they're like, I think I'd be a good podcast host, or I have this thing I want to talk about. And then they get five episodes in and they're like, okay, wow, this hard and scheduling a guest is tough. And then I, you know, when I record it, it doesn't sound like I want it to sound like, and the audio is not, and it's like the, it's not, I think of, correct me, tell me what you think about this. Sorry. I'm just interjecting my own question. No, I'm with question you. I'm which with is, you. I feel like podcasting is the hardest content production to get right even though it's just audio, all it is, is our voice, there's music or whatever edits you want to do. But I think for people to do this well, it's harder than video. It's harder than writing. And it's harder than doing graphic design because I think graphic design, you can pull off Canva and it looks okay. Writing is just writing. It's either going to be good or it's not, but it's just words on a page and video. As long as you look good and you, you know, you're talking right to the camera, the video and audio balance, I think gives you enough. But with audio, we just have your ears and to do that well and to just engage in a conversation that's interesting for 20 minutes, a half an hour, 45 minutes on a topic yeah. is, I think, probably the hardest thing in content production. And yet it's a thing that people want to get into. And when they get here, I think it's the rudest awakening of all of the content production. Well, do, do you know why? I mean, I'll give you one guess. Do you know why that you've been successful at podcasting, Jeff? Me? I think because I like it. I, and I'm going to, I'm going to say yes. And I'm going to agree okay. with that answer, but I'm going to say, yes, you like it, but because you push through all of that bullshit that you had in your head, that's why you're successful at podcasting. All of the stuff that you just said to me, that's your head trash. Mm -hmm. That's the stuff that is in, man, this is, this is tough. It's tough to create the content. It's tough to get up and, you know, open up the microphone. It's tough to have, you know, it's, it's harder than it is for graphic design. Fuck graphic design. If I go on Canva, I'd much rather open up a podcast microphone. Your head trash is not my head trash. Interesting. What my, what my head trash is, it says, you'll fucking never amount to anything. Who the hell are you to start a podcast? Not you, me. I'm talking yeah, yeah, to me. Yeah. My head trash is that, is that who was going to listen to you? Nobody cares about your message. Nobody even wants to buy your product. Look how horrible you are. They didn't even want to buy your product. You've got to teach them something else because they didn't even want your original. That's the bullshit that I go on in my head that I've got to tame that judge in my head, that saboteur, as I call them through the PQ program that I'm in. All of that stuff, that's all our head trash. So I would tell you, the stuff that's in your head as your, as your head trash, 
that's not whoever is not starting a podcast. They're not starting it because technology is an issue or because they don't think they have a personality or they don't think that they have an audience or they don't think they have a product. They don't know their market, their offer, their message. Those are reasons why a lot of people don't get started. But you've been successful at podcasting. I've been successful at podcasting for whatever our, our definition of success is. Mm -hmm. because you have pushed through all of that bullshit that's going through your head. And I've pushed through with all that head trash that's going to my head as well. Is that kind of make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I dig. I dig for sure. Um, yeah, no, that all makes perfect sense. Um, so sorry, it is going to sound like it is going to be like an awkward, hard pivot, but like, it was kind of where I was going to go next about it, which was about systems. And yeah. like production systems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I so what I was getting to with kind of like the head trash, as you called it, was that when I when I talked, a lot of people come to me and ask me advice about podcasts because I've been doing it long enough yeah. and and right. like I've got right. I've got a little bit of cred in this space. Absolutely. So people ask me about it and I've seen people start podcasts and they give up on it. And there's a lot of different reasons why they give up on it, but it usually comes down to, I think the difficulty of podcasting, which is kind of what I was getting to, which is that there's like, you have to have the right equipment. Like you can't just like iPhone this, right? You have to have the right equipment. You have to have a concept. You got to have cover art. There's like the RSS thing of like plugging it into, like there's all that stuff, right? That's different from like point and shoot, upload to YouTube or Canva, right? So the, um, the, when I started my very first podcast, it was just me and a microphone, right? I would invite people on. I would Skype. I would use call recorder. I took that and I made it a podcast slapped on using like a a video editing program to get an intro and an outro on. And I got it up and it was live in the world. And that was like circa 2013 through 15, right? Now I have a much better system. I have better equipment. I have a better process. I still do it all myself, but a lot of people, I think, don't understand what the, like what goes into the actual production of a podcast. And I was wondering if you have a view of it, that it's actually something that is fairly complex and requires a team or that you recommend using a team or that there are steps that people do that are not necessary, or that's actually much more simple than everyone might think. So like, what's your view? Cause yeah. you do the production side. So you handle that for people. But there's also people that might start and want to handle and get their, like the gearheads that want to actually go in there and mess with all the things. Kind of what's your take on like podcasting systems as it stands right now? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this might sound a little bit self-serving, but if your zone of genius is not podcast production or audio editing or any of that stuff, why the hell are you doing it? Not you personally, but anybody yeah. that, oh, that no, I ask myself it. that all the time. Well, and again, Jeff, maybe that's a yeah, further good conversation. At it. I just don't that, want to do it. I know, I know. I, and if you if you really want to spend time doing what is most productive and most profitable for your business, get out of podcast production and pay another company to do it. So whether I don't care if it's my company or somebody else that's doing it, if you do like that stuff and it is it does you know kind of grease the skids a little bit more and gets you excited about doing another episode. Cause, Oh my gosh, I got another edit, you know, that I can do when you feel like I get to do this as opposed to, I have to do this. Then when you say I get to, then podcasting is something that you fine, go ahead and do it. But if it's not in your zone of genius, you know, for me, if I ever find myself in a spreadsheet or building systems, that's a horrible place to be. I, I have a partner systems. Strickland. Just, say it again. 
I love systems. Yeah, I love I, building I, systems. Yeah, I hate I re- using them. I remember I remember that. I remember you were a guy that that really you created or you developed a whole bunch of systems and you even sent me like here's what I do and here's how I do it. And I'm like, mm, no, I have monday.com and I have a team that built the entire process in the, in the, <laughs> in the back end to do it. And that's great. If I ever find myself in a spreadsheet or building systems, I know that that's going to be an unprofitable week or month for us. In 2019, as a New, Year res- New Year's resolution, my partner Strickland and I, we discovered, we just said, hey, look, we're only going to spend time in our zone of genius. And for me, that's building relationships and selling. Those are the two things I love doing. And for him, it was in systems design, building the back end, everything that involved, you know, like the, like the, but he did not want to do anything selling at all or relationship building. The more anonymous he was to our, our clients, the better. And the more visible I was to the clients for our clients, the better, which makes a great for a great partnership. So if you are doing something that is not in that zone of genius for you, if you find yourself doing something that you don't want to be doing, or you're just okay at, then I would say offload that. Yes, systems are essential. Guest management systems so that you're automated with your schedule, extremely important. The only thing I want somebody to do when they're a client of ours is record their content and send it to us. And I want that to be the last time they ever have to touch that, whether it comes to editing, production, distribution, promotion, creation, any of that stuff. Even even like if you choose to have us do your research for your guest and you literally have a sheet laying in front of you with all of the information about this guest so you can ask pointed and relevant questions. I literally can get to my recording, you know, five, 10 minutes before and sound like I have been best friends with this person for decades because my team and I do a really good job at making sure that the prep work is already done for everybody that chooses to hire us to do that. How cool is that? that, That's, I want that to be the last thing that we talk about for this episode (laughs) is your interview prep. I need to know. I've asked several other podcasters about this and I was actually just listening to an episode of Brene Brown talking to Tim Ferriss and Dak Shepard. And she talked to them about their podcast prep and it was great episode, by the way. Um, But they were like two prolific podcasters, you know, millions and millions of downloads and they have totally different approaches to it. And I sense that you and I have a similar approach to getting on a show with a guest because uh, I do something that sounds very similar to you, but what's your interview prep? Cause you know, you're recording two a week. Now you were doing five a week. How are you preparing to talk to each of these guests? Some of which who maybe you've never known before you're getting these 50 to 75 inquiries a week. You know, how do you prepare for that? Yeah. So I get my guests to do the majority of the work because they're the ones that know the most about them. So when I have Amazing. somebody sign up through our scheduling program called Acuity, which is the one that we use, I ask a series of questions. It probably takes my guests about five to seven minutes to fill this thing out. And so it's not like it's a lifetime investment. And if they're going to approach my audience, I want them to actually give me relevant content. So the biggest part of my research is really me writing the intro of theirs. I listened to somebody who is literally in a a, a podcast episode guest of mine in the next 14 minutes after we wrap this up. And I've already done the 10 minutes of research that I'm going to do on this particular guest, not out of disrespect for the guest, only 10 minutes. That's all I need to do. And the guest, I listened to just a segment, part of that 15 minutes of, of research was me actually listening to them on another person's podcast. The, the bio and the intro that they sent to me was the one that that previous podcast host read verbatim. And now what am I do? What do I not want to do? Read the same thing that somebody else read. Yeah. So I re- I went to their, uh, again, part of my 15 minutes of researching this guest is going to the about me page or their LinkedIn profile and pulling out maybe five or six little pieces of information that I haven't seen in or heard or seen on read on their, on their bio. 
create my own intro, massage the one that they gave me already, take out some sentences, put in a couple of sentences more. So it sounds like my language. And now right out of the gate, that relationship with that guest is more of a, oh, he didn't just read the same bio that everybody else read about me. And I can't take a snooze through this, through this introduction. So all of my research goes into their, goes into their introduction, you know, how I'm introducing them. Beyond that, I'm having a conversation with them. It, when I go and meet you at a coffee shop for the first time or at a networking meeting, it's not like I walk up to you and say, hey, Jeff, I've done all this research on you and here are the seven questions that I want to know. What I know <laughs> is enough to know when I look at their website or their a channel that they have or social media, when they write content, I know enough to ask a handful of questions and guess what I'm doing? I'm listening to their answer and having this thing called a conversation with them. You can't go too deep in 30 minutes anyway. So why not just have a conversation where you can kind of get to know them, let your audience get to know them, promote what they have going on and, and get in and out of there, building a relationship with that person that could potentially turn into thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars, which some of my clients have become for us. That's interesting, man. So, so I do something very, very similar. I generally don't like to read people's bios exactly. I do it occasionally, but generally I open up the show with kind of like, Hey, what's up? Who are you? And what do you do? Here's what I know about you. I think you're pretty dope for these reasons. And then for the most part, I try to have a very open conversation, but I, I do always write down if there are things that I want to cover. Like for instance, for our show today, about 10 minutes before we jumped on, I went, I kind of looked what you were up to lately. I looked back on what we had previously talked about and I said, uh -huh. okay, what are things I want to know about from Doug now? Like it's been this time. So like, you know, I wrote down a bunch of bullet points of like, here's some things that I would love to go over with Doug. But for the most part, I look at those as sort of like uh, almost like a safety net. Right. Yep. Like if there's a yep. point where I'm like, Lol. I get distracted. Also, <laughs> I like my ADD can sometimes be really useful as a podcast host. And then there are other times where like, I will ask a question and interrupt my question with another question Squirrel. or like to interrupt the guest's <laughs> answer for another yeah. question. Another, so I, so I, I try it. to have a little bit of a background there for like, if I want to hit some plot points, but then I try to allow for like sort of jazz to happen in between the two. You know? Yeah, man. I, and I love how you just said that. I love the jazz that happens. You get more of your relationship build and more of your critical content out of the jazz rather than out of the, you know, out of the, the staff or whatever you want to call it outside of that, you know, the, the, the scales, you don't get anything out yeah. of the scales. You get everything out of the jazz. It's not classical music. It's jazz. Riffing. I'm now, I'm, we riff. And that is, yeah. that's exactly what the nice guys is all about. And the beauty of that is that I think that that's really from the feedback I've gotten from my audience, that's what they prefer anyway. And for the strategy of monetization that I use, which is guest to client strategy, JV partnerships, affiliate relationships, that stuff, that is best. Um, that is the best investment that I could possibly have in my guest is my relationship that I'm doing with them. Yeah, man, I, I totally dig that. Well, thank you for sharing me your prep. I'm glad that we have some overlap. I know you got <laughs> a jet for another uh, interview, but I figured I would give you uh, some rapid fire questions if you still yeah. got time and interest yeah, in doing them. Yeah, right, we here can, we go. I, I've already done my research, so I can take this right up to one before the hour. <laughs> one minute, one minute before the hour. <laughs> Excellent. All right. So what book should everyone read next? Oh, geez. Um, let's see. Let me think about this. Uh, Who Moved My Cheese is one of my favorite books. It's you gave that about... answer last time. You can't do it. I remember you oh, gave it last okay. time. Can't use okay. that Okay. I'm going to go with some standards then. I'm going to go with Think and Grow Rich or the uh, Little Red Book of Sales, Jeffrey Gittimer or- um, Classic. Or, or, yeah. Because for me, it's 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 all about learning the, the basics and um, Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill. Man, oh man, you can't get any any more classic or better than that.
All right, man. What's your favorite podcast? And as much as you'd like to, you can't say shareable and you also can't say nice guys or Mustang. Uh, yeah. Well, there's, there's two, there's one called uh, the daily, which is the New York times just yep. update of the, of the news uh, just one or two stories at a time. And the other one's called hidden brain. And I can't pronounce his last name, but his first name is Sean, Sean Carpe. Car- I, I don't re- remember what his last name yeah. is. But uh, Hidden Brain, it's really cool. It's like an inside look at, uh, at the reason why people do different things that they do. So I, I enjoy that one as well. Excellent. Um, what negative experience in your life are you most happy happened to you? Uh, divorce. Second one. Second one, <laughs> not the first one. Divorce number two. <laughs> Heartache was really challenging, but man, did it teach me a lot about, uh, about growth, contrast, and uh, the, the need for really doing some, some deep soul searching about uh, why is the only common denominator in my failed relationships me? And I needed to work, I needed to work on, on that. So, but thank you for asking that. It's a great question. Yeah. It's, and I agree with that. My divorce was incredibly impactful in a positive way for me as even though it was heartbreaking, horrible, horrible, awful. Yeah. Uh, what lesson do you wish you learned earlier in life? Um, I think, as I said earlier, never let perfect be the enemy of done. I think I was such a perfectionist with what I wanted, all their T's crossed and I's dotted that, that um, I just, I hesitated in doing a lot of things. So I think that if you just keep rolling forward, imperfect perfection is the way to go. Okay. Uh, What is the most important skill of the future? Technology. I would, I, I got to say, understanding technology, being able to, um, to, to look at something and, and, and intuit what is supposed to be just based upon what, what is in front of you right now. People are not immersed in technology right now. I think they're just going to be left behind. And, and in business, I think it's really important that you, I, I know you didn't ask this as a business question, but I think it's really important that we immerse ourselves in technology to understand where we are heading. I agree with you. Uh, what industry or career path has the most uh, promising future or potential in your opinion? Podcast production. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I don't know. I, that being, you know, talking about technology, I would say um, IT, you know, just just if somebody was going to school right now and they were to ask me, what should they do? I wouldn't put them in healthcare. You know, it's sick care. So I don't want to, you know, if you want to work for a pharmaceutical company, just go to work for them. Don't get your medical degree because that's what you're doing when you get your medical degree. So for me, I would, uh, yeah, that's where I would go. Okay, cool. What is one thing that everybody listening to this episode should go and do today? They have to be able to start it today or complete it today. Uh, What I would say is research starting a podcast to get your methods, uh, to get your message out there on the street. I mean, we are all about podcast production. So let's stay in that vein and let's tell people that are listening to this. If you want to get your message out, starting a podcast, start doing some research on getting a podcast going. I dig it. And I would uh, just quickly give my endorsement to following Doug and the turnkey podcast and everything that Doug's doing. You've been uh, an important mentor and uh, figure in my life as I podcast. Oh, so just a quick, thank you. That is cool. Um, and, and, and before you ask that question, the next question, just so you know, likewise, man, you have been one of those guys that's uh, for my entire career in the online space and in podcasting, you've been out there in the wings. You've been an encouraging, positive, inspirational resource. And I thank you for that. I, and I, I appreciate all those kind words that you said, but likewise, brother, you've been, you've been the same for me. Thanks, man. Well, you'll be back for episode 300. <laughs> okay, all right, I got cool. three, three more for you. And I know we got to get you out of here. So here's my, my final three. What real life figure or fictional character do you identify with and why? Oh my gosh. Um, let's see. Uh, Harry Potter, because it's a, I'm a, I feel like I'm a magical wizard in doing what I do. And I, I love it. Even when somebody thinks it can't be done, it can be done. So let's go with that. 
Excellent. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Uh, invisibility. Come on. You get to be a fly on the wall and listen to the important conversations without anybody knowing who you are and what you're doing there. All right. This is a sub question. It's not the final question, but what would you be willing to sacrifice to have that superpower? Uh, I don't know. Wife number three. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Final question for you, Doug. Uh, you're hilarious. I love having you on, man. I can't wait to have you on again. The final question. This is where we're going to end today. This is uh, these, these 10 rapid fire questions are part of my think fast episodes, but I don't get to have you for all three episodes today. So we have them all here. It's the final question, which is the snap question. You've seen infinity war and Endgame. I, I haven't, but I'm a loser. So, you know, it's very hard. For you, but... All right. I'll explain the premise to you then. Yeah. Uh, I just assumed you would have. So uh, Thanos is this creature, this, this, this Titan that wants to exterminate half of all life on the universe. And he's in search of the infinity gauntlet and the infinity stones. There's six stones that go into this glove. And once he has all of them, he snaps his finger. He can do anything. It allows him to manipulate time, reality, uh, souls, everything. Like he can remake reality entirely in his own vision by snapping his finger. He uses it to wipe out half of the life on this in the universe, basically. That's his plan. And at the end of Endgame, spoilers for those who haven't listened or watched and spoiler for you. uh, But Iron Man gets a hold of the Infinity Gauntlet after Thanos had snapped everyone away. He snaps his finger to bring everybody back. Um, well, actually, he did. It, never mind. But okay. the point is, for him to to basically bring a close to the movie, uh, he snaps his fingers to get rid of Thanos and all of the war, and it costs him his life. Uh-huh. So, long winded way of saying, I have this Infinity Gauntlet, and if you snap your finger, if you put it on and snap your fingers, you are capable of rewriting reality in any possible way that you want, changing uh-huh. anything, time, space, etc. If you could have this gauntlet from me, one, would you put it on and snap? And two, if you did, what happens after you snap? I'm going to put it on and snap. And when I snap, I become Deadpool. <laughs> At the end, I can do whatever I want at that point because me as Deadpool, right? Best is the- answer ever. <laughs> I want to be Deadpool. <laughs> I, is it Ryan Reynolds? Ryan Reynolds, is that is that who it is? Is that who Deadpool yes. is? Yes. I mean, for me, yes. that's like the best superhero movie of all time. I'm not a superhero uh, fan, but yeah, I want to be Deadpool. No one <laughs> has ever given an answer quite like that. Usually it's like, well, I would snap my fingers and I would end all hunger. And you're like, I want to be Deadpool. That's amazing. Yeah, I want to be Deadpool. absolutely amazing. I can end all hunger after that. I just right now, why do I have to hurry up and make a decision? I want to make my decision slowly. And as Ted Deadpool, I can do whatever I want in the time that I choose to. That's amazing. That was amazing. You're the best, Doug. Doug, thank you for coming back onto Shareable. I promise I'm going to keep having you back as long as you'll keep coming back to my show. And thank you for doing what you're doing. And anybody out there that's listening, um, please go and look up Doug. Doug, take a minute to just promote the hell out of yourself. Talk about whatever the hell you want. Your time in the show. Use whatever remaining time you have to just tell people why you're great. All right. Just have people go to turnkeypodcast.com. That's it. If you want to get any information about how to launch a podcast to grow your influence, build your community, or to make money, it's the best spot to do it. And happy to uh, happy to have you as a client. If you fit our mold of what we feel like is a good client and you we fit your mold of what you feel like is a good service provider, that's the greatest spot to start. So turnkeypodcast.com. Amazing. This episode was a blast. You're freaking awesome. And um, I I guess I could say that this episode was one thing and one thing above all else, and that would be shareable. Wait, don't leave. If you've never listened to my fancy outro, do it just once for me, please. Okay, if you enjoy shareable and you find it valuable, there's a few ways that you can support the show. One, you can share it on social media, which I strongly encourage. I mean, it's literally the name of the show, shareable. 
too. You can review it on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're an Overcast user, as many of my listeners are, make sure to click that star button on the episodes that you like. The third way that you could support the show is by blogging about it or discussing it on your own podcast or even by making a YouTube video where you talk about one of the episodes. And then the final way that you can support the show is by supporting it directly on Patreon. You can find the link in the show notes. Now, before I let you go, I want to tell you about one other thing. You see, Shareable is just one of many projects that I'm working on at any given time. I've got another podcast called Rogue. I do a live streaming show every week called The Heroic Council. I've got a blog where I release a blog post twice a week. And if you're looking to keep up with all sorts of different content that can help you grow and become a superhero in life, I want you to check out jeffgibber.me. That's where I list all of my current projects and projects that are coming up in the future, including my forthcoming book, The Lovable Leader. It would mean a lot to me if you could go and check out some of the other things I've worked on because I put just as much of my heart into those projects as I do into Shareable. Thank you so much for being a listener. Thank you for being a supporter. And I hope to see you here on the next episode of Shareable.